to 7 a.m. in New York, 1 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 6 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations, and I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. The word party foul is a noun, and its definition is any act committed that has negative consequences, any act that's considered inappropriate in a group party setting. This week's episode of Expat Happy Hour is exposing party fouls against accompanying partners. And to do that, I have asked a few people to join me. But let me back up here. What's a party foul against accompanying partners? If you are an accompanying partner or one of the terms I hate dearly, a trailing spouse, you already know what I'm talking about. Party fouls are things that happen in social gatherings where you are made invisible, an accessory, or not seen as someone who has value. To go a little further with this, because this is a hunch I've had for many years watching what happens in social settings, I invited a few accompanying partners to chime in on what party fouls they've experienced. I have a few special guests today. First of all, we are going to be joined by Claire Hawkswell. She is the author of the blog, My Theory on Blooming, and she's been an accompanying partner for over 10 years. If you don't know My Theory on Blooming, check it out because in her blog, she has this wonderful way of pondering her offbeat lifestyle and the trials and tribulations of her life abroad with her husband, her multilingual children, and her two crazy dogs in tow. So check her out. She's an amazing writer. I'm also joined by accompanying partners who have chimed in on a few questions I asked independently of this interview. So what I did is I asked a handful of people to answer five simple questions. The five questions were this, tell me about a party foul, what happens at social gatherings, work events, or school functions that really gets on your nerves. Two, what do people think you do all day? What do you actually do all day? Three, what do people say or ask that drives you crazy? Four, what do you wish people knew about life as an accompanying partner? And five, what should people start, stop, or continue when it comes to engaging with accompanying partners? at a work or social gathering. You're going to hear their spontaneous, unedited answers, right? And what they have to say obviously isn't representative of everyone, but it does give you a sample of things that people are experiencing. For example, when I asked one accompanying partner, Noel, to just give me, you know, spontaneous answers and not think about it too much, This is what he said. You ask it to not overthinking about it, but I need to tell you that it's impossible because you think about this question almost all the time. 
All right. So this is on people's minds. And I'm going to let you listen in on these party fouls so you can either see yourself or learn something new. Let's kick it off with Claire. All right, Claire, welcome to Expat Happy Hour. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here myself. So we are both um, self-isolating in Switzerland. Oh my gosh. I self-isolate there anyway, pretty much. (laughs) Um, So whenever you're hearing this recording, just know that that's during the sort of the coronavirus hunker down time. So um. (laughs) anything, it's like day 11 and I've homeschooled um, for many of those days and fractions are going to be the death of me. So it's good. Oh my God. Sixth grade math is so hard. I can't Mm. even handle it. (laughs) Okay. We're going to dive into this idea of um, party foul. I invited you to expect happy hour to talk about party fouls and party fouls are those things that go on as accompanying partners and social gatherings at work events or school functions that that most people don't understand really get on your nerves if you're an accompanying spouse. So Claire, I would love to hear an example of a party foul that you've experienced or what really gets on your nerves. Um, let's see. Well, there's a lot probably, but I would say is if like you're at a party um, with colleagues of your husband or wife or whoever you're there and you start having a conversation with somebody and they assume that you too are also a professional, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and then they hear that, Oh, well, I'm married to X, Y, Z. And they're like, Oh, Oh. And then they start getting that glossed over look. Like you don't have, (laughs) you don't have a job. You're here just drinking gin and tonics and like doing whatever it is you do. This came up in almost every response. People struggle with engaging when you're not the one who is there for a work assignment. What really gets on my nerves is that when we arrive at a function or a party and we introduce ourselves, people just assume that I'm the woman, therefore I'm not working, that we are in this location because of my husband's job and uh, yes we are actually but then the conversation just goes on to talk about him and his job and whoever we're meeting they never ever turn around and ask what I do. For those of you who've been here you know how isolating this can feel and you can feel invisible Here, Claire shares more that illustrates this when people find out that it isn't her who has the assignment. They start, I'm very short. So they start looking over my eye line to like start, you know, like where you can visit because I'm a pretty small person and my stature, unless I'm wearing like stilettos, they can't really see me. You know, I'm not looking at them eye to eye. And then I've started noticing where people will start like, gauge in the room, like, where do I go next? Because I'm not going to either help them in their career, or they can't talk to me about whatever. And it's like, listen, I don't really want to talk to you either. But I'm not a jerk. So you know, wow. So party foul is looking above the eyes, scanning the room. Excuse me. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's it's been like one of those situations, just like, what the just happened here like I'm just 
I, I think it's really rude. <laughs> it's like the rudest thing ever. So what it's basically doing is saying you're not important enough to talk to. So now that you've heard Claire, here's a party foul from an accompanying partner we'll call Lorena. She suggests that it isn't just that you're not important enough to talk about, but rather it could be something even worse. Once I would be with my husband for a holidays organized by his job, and um, we went on a we went on a private jet, like a little airplane, and there was the hostess of the plane. And we started speaking about politics and life and the condition of the women in the world and everything. And after when we arrived, she asked me, so what's your job for the company? And I'm like, no, I'm just uh, the wife of... Um, this person and she was like oh really oh that's incredible because we could have such a good conversation you know so many things and I was like yes I'm not stupid you know and yeah that's what I say you know I couldn't really reply and I was like okay that's it so when these party fouls happen you can be left feeling unimportant or even worse, leave people with a misassumption that you have nothing to offer. Claire continues by exploring what they might be missing. Absolutely. I'm not in their eyes because they don't really like, what are, what am I going to do for them in their career? I'm not going to do anything for them. And they are failing to realize that like, I'm this really awesome person and you know, Maybe I don't have anything for you, but, you know, maybe you might go, oh, but my wife, she is a writer, or maybe you guys could talk, you know, like, there might be connections that you can make from people, and they're just failing to realize that the human connection is not just about what do you do for a living. Right. I hear that all the time, that can we please go beyond what do you do and go towards who are you? Right. My purpose in life is not to like, just, you know, do something for everybody else. I want to do something for me too. So there's, yeah, I mean, we can have purpose outside of the home to work and have a job, but there's also other things that we enjoy. And if we can find commonality in those things, that's the human connection. So like, let's just be real here because... The trouble is that for some reason, people feel unprepared to go deeper beyond work. Carolyn shares more. I think that people, as soon as they understand that you have kids and that the kids are at school, they assume that you're a stay-at-home mom and basically you look after the kids, you look after the household, you walk the dog and... uh, that's what you do. That's your life. And obviously you meet up with other moms and have coffee. I think that's what people think you do. And they don't ask if that is what you do, because I think they don't even want to, they don't even know how to, how to talk about it. 
because they don't know if they would have any follow-up questions. Let's say you do say, yes, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Then they don't know what to say. They say things like, oh, that, 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 how is that? That must be stressful or something. There's some stupid comments. It's, yeah, it's just strange. It's like there's a lack of etiquette and knowledge how to talk to an accompanying spouse and find out what they do because not everyone is a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad. A lot of them do a lot of other things and it's just simply not part of how we talk that we explore and understand and are curious about what the spouse is doing. Because I think people just think they're staying at home and they're rather boring. What they're missing out on, though, is what these people are really about. In this podcast alone, we're hearing from financial investors, published authors, triathletes, professional designers, just to name a few of the facets of their talents and abilities. I think people, also it could be people who just don't know how it's their own discomfort. Like they don't know how to connect with people who aren't doing the thing that they're doing. So if they're very career oriented or they're about, you know, whatever sort of corporate or nonprofit or whatever direction they're in, they don't know how to connect with people who are doing something very different, which is ironic because as expats, we live cross-culturally all the time and we, we should have intercultural competencies to dig into our curiosity and get to know people and find how we're similar and different, right? So it's like we're actually not using a skill set that we inherently have built into us based on our experiences. But I actually would have to say, I would go a step further and I would say that accompanying spouses probably do that even better mm-hmm. than a lot of professionals because they're the ones having to live in the culture. They're right. the ones having to you know, meet other parents. And you know, I don't just go to the office and have a meeting with, Bob from accounting and, you know, and they're right, you're at the country. Mari, right. I mean, I'm not <laughs> doing it. Like I'm having to figure it out and they just, you know, everybody probably speaks the same language in the office and everybody is listen, you know, doing the same culture of the, you know, of the company and all that stuff. So I think as accompanying spouses, we, we dig deeper and look for that cultural or have to overcome the cultural differences and make the connections right. much. But more. you're not going to find out if you don't ask. So what do you think? Um, what do you think people think you do all day? And what do you actually do? Uh, I'm sure people think I like shop and work and lunch and, you know, do nothing. Watch Netflix, which are not which are things I, you know, would love to do. And if I mean, a girl can dream that would be her life, (laughs) but it's not because I literally wake up. I mean, this morning I woke up at 530 so that I could work out before this so that I could be on after we're done so that I can go and homeschool my kids. Right. I have to, you know, so I'm not, I mean, I'm a multitasking master. I am a taxi, I'm a chef, I'm an administrator. I mean, I do insurance claims for hours and hours. It is the most mind numbing experience of your life, but so much. I have to do it because there's lots of money waiting for me to get it back. And 
who's going to do it but me? Like my husband doesn't have time, nor does he even know where the app exists. So it's, it's me. And the Twitter. You're also a writer. You haven't even mentioned that yet. I know. I haven't gotten to the stuff that I want to do. I mean, these are all the things I have to do. I'm a tutor. I'm a caregiver. I'm a buyer of all things. I'm a planner of all things. I'm a language student. I'm learning German. It's terrible. And I'm so sucky at it. And I'm a dog walker. And then when I do all that other stuff that has to be done, then I'm also... (laughs) I am a dishwasher. (laughs) I am a housekeeper. I am, you know... But then I'm the writer. And that is, it's, you know, I, I tell myself I'm a moonlighting writer because I don't find time to, to do it until the sun goes down. Other company partners mirrored the sentiment that people think they do nothing all day. They also share a few questions that drive them crazy. Okay, what people think I do all day, probably because I live on an island in the middle of the Pacific, they always say to me, oh, but you are always on holidays. Uh, No, I go really rarely on the beach. I do the things that everybody does. And uh, I have a work and I work in the morning and I take care of my family. So no, I'm not always on holidays so question that get me mad so what do you do all day uh you gave up your life to follow your husband what do people think think uh, i do i think probably nothing but i do a lot of things i take care of the house i cook i pet your dog uh, I walk a dog and I also do my stuffs, which is I'm trying to, to be an athlete and I do triathlon. So I run a lot, I swim a lot, I cycle a lot and this is fun and keep me my mind working. So this is what I do. People think that to be at home is easy. And they always want, oh, I want to be like you. You are so, so lucky. Okay, I'm lucky. I know I had a wonderful wife. I had a really good life, but it's not easy. So when they say that I am so lucky, I totally disagree. I can be lucky in a lot of different ways, but it's not easy to be at home to get lunch alone every day, to do a lot of things that I'm not used to do. So it's a difference. So when they ask me, or when they say that I am lucky, I say, oh, okay, yeah, I just smile and move on. What people say or ask me that drives me crazy, I don't think... It's what they say or ask. I think what they don't say and what they don't ask that drives me crazy because they're, they're making you invisible by not asking, by not saying things. And that drives me crazy. That it's like, I don't count. Like, I'm, I'm just like an accessory. And oh my God, how frustrating that is. In my interview with Claire, I also shared my own frustration 
so I've actually been at a party where um, I was talking to somebody who I honestly thought got what I did. And we were talking about the work and he said something to me like, yeah, it must be so nice to have so much free time in your day. And I just looked at him like, what? Like I run a company full time. How, what about what we've talked about makes you think that I just like do an hour a week or something. I just don't get it. People don't understand um, what it takes to, to do your thing. Right. And you're doing your thing, but you're doing it. Like you said, moonlight, you're doing it at night because all the other things that have to be done. So, um, what do people say to you? So we're, we're doing this interview in the coronavirus time or whatever, but this too shall pass and let's keep big picture. All of you've been abroad for over 10 years. What do people say or ask you that drives you crazy? If you're at a party and, and you're having a conversation, what is it that drives you crazy? Um, I, I think it's more, there's two, two, scenarios with this that kind of drive me crazy. There's the one scenario where you're with people who are not expats that might, you know, be coming in and they might be traveling through and you're at a, you know, event with someone. They're like, oh my gosh, your life is so interesting. You're so lucky. And I'm like, Karen, I am not lucky all the time. You know, like, no, this is not easy. This is hard. And it's, you're you sure as hell wouldn't be able to handle it you know like that that where people are like they just think we're on vacation all the time like, oh my god when I'm I'm on yeah perpetual vacation because you know like I don't know I had a I had a, a leader at a CEO at a company I used to coach um I came back to the organization and just said hello uh, when I was living in South Africa and came here to visit and um they were like, oh, no, this is actually when I was in Burkina Faso and came for a semester here. Um, and we were going to move to South Africa. And <laughs> the CEO goes, oh, it must be nice to go on vacation. And I was like, I just left after three major crises, you know, like, I didn't yes, even know. it's been a great vacation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't even know what a coup d'etat was until I was experiencing mm. one. All of this stuff. And I thought, you have no idea. Have you seen my son cry his eyes out when my husband has to leave in the taxi because we are li- living on separate continents? Like, do yeah. you want to think that's a vacation? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they have no idea. They have no idea. I mean, so it's like, yeah, when we lived in Africa, I mean, people would be like, oh my gosh, you like live where there's like zebras all the time. I'm like, no, I don't live. <laughs> I don't, I'm not Sunday. I don't have kudu, kudu out in the backyard. <laughs> but I'm like, I also don't have zebras just roaming around the neighborhood either. So like, I do p- think people that are not um, aware of what expat life is, truly is, um, they don't, they don't get that. And so when they ask those kind of questions, you just like, that's when I'm like, okay, I need to stop this conversation because I can't, I can't go into this. What about as the accompanying partner? Like you're, you're at a party and maybe it's a work event or it's a social gathering around the school or something and fellow expats, what do they say or ask you that drives you crazy? Um, I think it just becomes more like, 
the mundane stuff, like, so are you taking German lessons? Or are you, you know, where are you working out? Or it's like, how about like, do you have any projects that you're working on? Like, don't ask me these just little tiny questions. Like they're, let's go a little bit further. Like, what did you used to do for a living? Well, how do you, do you plan on doing that while you're here? Like, I think when they just ask you those like super topical questions, they're just talking to you because they don't really have anything else to say to you or they're not sure what to say to you. So they do that all the time. I think we really need to do a better job at going deeper. Like it's everybody's operating on a script Mm -hmm. and especially as expats, expats, if you've been abroad for, you know, multiple rotations, you're just so tired of the script. My husband always says, I'm so tired of, telling the same story over and over again, like, oh, first right. we were here, and then we were there, and we did this. It's like, what if we just all collectively agreed, we're going to do it differently. We're going to stop the surface stuff and and go deeper or ask more provocative questions. Yeah, I think it's definitely like if I'm talking to someone and they have a French accent, okay, I can probably assume you're from France. So I don't really need to go into that. Like in, mm-hmm. in the conversation, you can say, well, I'm from Paris originally, but like... When I open my mouth, I sound like I'm from America. I mean, it's pretty obvious. So, like, you don't have to go, you're American, right? Like, yep, I'm American. You can tell I'm loud and I smile a lot and I can't help it. This is just me. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, but you know, like, that's the... Yeah, I just wish that people would go deeper in their conversation. and it's And that could be accompanying spouse to accompanying spouse yes it's not just my husband's colleagues I mean it's the spouses that are afraid to like make a connection unless you're somehow connected by language and or um, nationality and that just puts you in a silo I I don't you know I like having friends from all over the world and you know understand their cultures but you know, sometimes you get where you feel like you're not able to connect with people in those um, spaces. So, you know, it'd be really nice if we could. Claire isn't alone in wishing people would go deeper. Here's what Noel and Carolyn had to say. I think people should stop to to try conversation, to try to in the beginning of the conversation, ask you about what you work. Well, I'm not just what I work. I do a lot of things. Uh, and these different things can be very interesting too. So it's a different kind of work. It's a different kind of life, but it's also not so different. So let's try to just talk about the life, not about the work. This is my point. I wish that when you meet a couple or, yeah, people at a gathering, I wish that, yes, of course, there you, you look for immediate things you have in common, like your kids go to the same school or someone works at the same company as someone or whatever. But, I mean, I wish there was more curiosity and that people kind of had a more relaxed language and interest in finding out what the spouses are doing. And I mean, I'm also struggling. I admit that I struggle with how to phrase it. Um, so, uh, so, so it comes out right 
when you want to find out about someone else who is clearly not the person that has, you know, their work hasn't been what has made these people move. Uh, but um, I just wish that it was more open and people were showing more genuine interest in people as people, not only which effing company they hear with or how long they hear or where did they come from before and which grades are your kids in and blah, 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 blah. But how do we do that? How do we connect differently? Here's where Claire and I left off. There is this discomfort, like, how do I connect? You know, what do I ask? And if we just learned how to do it differently, if we were able to break free from these scripts, um, we could go a lot deeper. And here's an example. When I was at the, I had this situation where I had a swim meet at the school and I had to rush from a client call to get there. And I realized when I got there, I was actually an hour early. I'm like, Oh, I could be working. Why am I here an hour early? And, and then I was like, went and got a coffee in the parent room. And they were have there was all this like parent room complaining that I just, thankfully I don't have to experience very often, but they were totally complaining about this and that. And I thought, God save me. Right. So I grabbed my coffee and I, you know, rush out of the parent room and I stumble upon a group of women and it was um, someone I think from India, someone from Israel, someone from uh, the U.S. It was like four or five totally different countries and cultures. And the conversation I, I asked, I was kind of like, you know, late to the conversation. I said, what, what were you guys talking about? And they said that someone's parent just passed away. And, um, you know, of course, you give condolences. And then we started talking about how the what are the grief practices in everybody's culture and we realized how similar these vastly different cultures were in terms of their grief practice and then which ones were very different from that and it was such a deep conversation which connected us mm-hmm. um and that there that potential is there all the time we're just not using it yeah i just think it's i mean i just think it'd be nice if we could all all connect a little bit deeper, um, colleagues or otherwise I find here, which is interesting. Um, and maybe this is something that you might find interesting. There are a lot of female expats here, um, Mm -hmm. with that have brought, um, their families, but they're the, the working spouse. And it's interesting because those female working spouses will connect with me on a deeper level Mm -hmm. Um, because I think we have that commonality of being a woman to woman, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but, uh, and that we probably have, but like, you know, I don't know. I have like, can't stop talking. So that having the ability to, to talk to one another and to be connected by being moms or um, common interest or, you know, whatever it happens to be, I don't find that to be the issue with female working expats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I find the experience is much more with male working expats. Right. Um, And that's, that's me. Right. Um, There's a gender divide. There's the role divide. There's role assumption. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you know what I also find with my clients Um, they are amazingly talented individuals and it's all like secretly happening in the background. 
Yeah. You know? Like nobody knows about it. And one, I did a podcast episode about the way you introduce yourself says everything about you. And it's like, be, be proud of what your talents are, what you do, how you spend your time. Um, and I also think it's not just on the obligation of the people who have the assignment to get curious about the accompanying partners and ask better questions. I think it's on the accompanying partners to also do a better job at sharing who they are and, and what they do. And one of the things I, I've always said, I will not be an accessoire. <laughs> I hate it when, you know, you go to a, a party and people do the things that you've mentioned. They ignore you. They don't ask you questions and you feel invisible. And every once in a while, depending on what kind of function it is, I'll watch people and I'll take them off guard. Like they'll say, so what are you doing in South Africa? And I'll say, well, I have a location independent company and um, my husband works for, right? Like I'll, I'll lead with that and I watch their eyes <laughs> to see to see what they do. It's up to us also to show up differently um, right. and create those converse, conversations. So really quick, we're going to do something called start, stop and continue. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. Okay. Um, I want you to think about what should people start, stop and continue when it comes to engaging with accompanying partners or as accompanying partners at work and social gatherings. So what comes to mind when I say, what should people start? Um, I, they just need to engage with them more. They just need their, their accompanying spouses are so much more than just spouses. They are total badasses. And if we just gave them a chance to tell us who they were, they would, probably find out that they could either be really good friends with this person or that they could tap them as a resource mm-hmm. or that, you know, there, there, there's so much more to people than we, and we don't, we don't give ourselves a chance to get there. So I just think that they need to dig a little deeper. Totally. And I would say the accompanying partners need to start uh, showing up differently um, mm-hmm. and sharing more about who they are and what they do and what lights are fire, no matter what it is, right? Absolutely. I don't care if it's, I love hanging out with my kids and baking something. Like, I don't care, but just be proud, right? Right. Own it. Right? Own it. What about stop? What should people stop doing? Um, just stop Stop treating people like they're invisible. That, that's, that, I just don't like it when people treat anybody like they're invisible. Yeah. I mean, that is one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to, like, you see a new mom walk in the coffee morning and she's just standing there all by herself. Go talk to her. Like she, she is probably new or, you know, when you see somebody standing in a a, a cocktail hour at work and they're all by themselves, go talk to them because they're uncomfortable. Like that's not, that's just not kind. So let's try to include people in the conversation. And what should we continue doing? Um, I think we just need to continue to try and, I don't know, try to be open and um, willing to try new things, which means to engage with other people. I, I don't know. I, I just think it's, a, it's all about the same to me. I guess mm-hmm. start, stop, and continue is to just, it's all connected somehow. Yeah. Um, and I think that we really just need to be aware of what's going on in 
in the conversations that we're engaging in and be much more conscious of how we're making other people feel um, of how the conversation is going. And if you um, can do that, maybe, maybe you won't make people feel like they're not, you know, somebody that nobody wants to talk to. Right. Cocktail hour. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. I'm going to just be really straight about it. This is, this is beyond, this is beyond party fouls, right? This is about how are we showing up in our community? How are we connecting with others? What does this mean from a gender socialization perspective? What does this mean when it comes to power dynamics and an invitation to say, let's do it differently. Another thing I have to say is, as expats, we often feel isolated. You see some memes going on right now um, because of the coronavirus situation where people are saying, hey, I've been expat for years. I know how to self-isolate. I've got this. This is my jam. Actually, um, because we've been through other crisis situations before, I can say how important relationships are. And relationships are so important to building resilience. So we need relationships that are beyond the surface. We need relationships with depth. We need them for just because we're human as expats, we need them for our mutual success, right? I might know someone that can help you be successful. You might know someone that I can help become successful. There's so much potential because we are international and so networked. Why aren't we using it better, right? I see people who do it really well and I see people who don't tap into that potential. So especially during times of crisis, um, those relationships that have gone deeper where you have connected on a a deeper level are exactly the people that are going to be there to support you or you can support in in meaningful ways. Yeah. And I think I just, I mean, I just thought of something that would um, be something that I would want to continue, which is probably much better than my original answer here. But um, we want to continue to treat people with respect. Right. So if the roles were reversed and this, you know, Bob from accounting was, you know, the accompanying spouse and he was being treated like nobody wanted to talk to him. I think that we have to treat people how we would want to be treated, period. I mean, we teach our children that every day. And if we can continue to treat people with respect, that is gonna get us deeper into our conversations and to open up and create community and you know be be make something bigger than just those topical conversations so I really think respect has to be part of it yeah Um, exactly and it's something cognitive that we know but it's are we living it are we living mm-hmm. it in our everyday thing? And I've called myself out in other podcast episodes about, um, I was with Isabel Min in a podcast episode where I shared a story of how I resonated to people like me rather than going actively out and engaging with people who are different from myself. And after that conversation with her, I was able to do it differently at the next event. So, you know, no, we all know this. It's about about doing it. So as soon as everybody is stopping the self-isolation, I encourage you um, to go out there differently. And the party fouls are just a way to, to talk about it lightly. Um, I would also get curious um, about how do, how do these social interactions feel differently when you go in with a mindset 
of I'm going to, I'm just going to go one layer deeper this time and see what happens. So that's my, my invitation to everybody um, about that. Claire, thank you so much for coming on Expat Happy Hour and sharing your perspective. Thank um, you. I enjoyed yeah, it. You've, you've articulated things that um, I think people really resonate with. And I think the one thing that pops out um, across all feedback that I've heard from people is one, we need to move away from the scripts and ask different questions. Two, we need to make sure that our behaviors are not creating invisibility, whether you are the one who is not seeing someone or if you're the one who feels unseen and you remain silent. So there you have it. Party fouls made against accompanying partners. If you've lived this, much of this will not be a surprise. If you're on the other side of the gin and tonic, maybe these things are sounding familiar and make you want to do things differently, right? So that's my challenge to you. Mix it up. Ask different questions. Share more of yourself. Take a few risks. And geez, let's get beyond the scripts, right? And I want to hear from you. I want you to tell me about your party fouls because these are things we need to talk about. We need to be aware of them so that we can change them, right? So this whole episode has been about party fouls. It is just a taste of what real life is like for expats. Maybe something new to you, maybe something that you know all too well. If you are interested in supporting expats deeply, then I want to remind you that now is the time to apply for Expat Coach Coalition. We are a mighty but small tribe of individuals who are helping up-level how you approach your clients professionally and the tools that you offer them as they go through the ups and downs of expat life. Check it out in the blog notes. I would love to have you. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Bean. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with the words of Bruce Mao. The deeper you go, the more likely you will discover something of value. Um. <laughs>